This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is V-Script, songwriter, A&R, and producer. You're now watching Nolazine TV. Let's go. start this interview, we're going to give you all your flowers, you know, from coming from New Orleans, coming to Atlanta, making your name, being Grammy nominated, Yeah. and also a lot of people don't know that you won Hella Five Dancer, <laughs> but, we gonna, but you know, we're going to jump into all that, but I want to give you all your flowers right now before oh, we start man. this. Appreciate it, appreciate it, my brother, appreciate it. So man. I already told everyone all like that you actually from New Orleans, so like, I want you to explain how it was, I'm like, for you growing up in New Orleans. Growing up in New Orleans, man, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, just being tapped into the culture and you know how we do, man, Mardi Gras and it's just, you know, family, super family orientated, man. So I remember growing up, man, all every weekend my family get together, whether it's for the parade, if it was parade season, whether it's for birthdays, parties. So that's one thing about uh, being from New Orleans, like the, the culture, the food, it always bring our families together. So we, we spend a lot of time with each other. So family is an important thing to us okay so actually before we knew and we talk about music and writing and all this like how did you get into like dancing so then <laughs> it started out man so with dancing and stuff bro like i used to um look up to i remember growing up seeing you know in, in new orleans we have it was flexing it was flexing, so we used to, I used to look up to the groups like Street Fighters, the Power Rangers, and stuff like that. And so, you know, from Matter there. Matter of fact, he's speaking on Street Fighters, I belong live on a Fifth Wall Weeby. Fifth Wall Weeby, for sure. I had to, you know, I had to throw that in there. Yes, yes. So, seeing them guys, because those guys was before me, and uh, me and my brother, we started our group called Fire and Ice. So, me and him got together, and we started, uh, uh, dancing, we started. That's what, that's what we want to do. So, based off being inspired by those guys, we started that, and uh, we just started going around high, different high school talent shows and and shit. We was one of them shits <laughs> <laughs> from uh, from West Jeff, Saint Aug, Saint Mary, Xavier Prep. Like we want, we used to win all the talent shows around the city. So, um, and we started taking it super serious, you know. So, like then around that time, I want to say like the transition into like the B2K era. So that's when stuff kind of, we started transitioning to like uh, eight counts and stuff like that. And man, we got even so far to where we wound up uh, connecting with uh, one of our good friends, Maquita and uh, AJ, they went to John Eric and now they are professional choreographers, uh, dancing for Beyonce, dancing for Marianne and et cetera. So um, we linked up with them and then we took it to another level and we won this competition that uh, Omarion had through called uh, Bring It uh, with his choreographer Roro and my guy Calvin. So that's how we got into the dancing. So we took it that far, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so you know, hey, but now we're gonna jump into, you know, the most important, like, when did you first start it 
I like writing music. So it's funny, man. So being my background come from dancing and always being into music and always analyzing, I started uh I started out poetry. So poetry was first to me before I before I even knew I was gonna be a songwriter. So after dancing, I started getting into poetry. So I started going around writing, I started writing poems and then I remember like I want to say after it was either after Katrina or before Katrina, uh, we had this thing called True Brute. They used to go down every Wednesday, like Smut, uh, my boy Hollywood and them. They, them guys used to put that on uh, downtown in New Orleans. And so I used to go there and uh, recite the poems that I used to write. And my poetry always had a rhythm to it. So one day, I'll never forget, I was at working at AT&T and... This was after Hurricane Katrina. I had met my best friend. Uh, his name is Earl. I met him because we worked in eight, the AT&T kiosk. And so from there, uh, I, used to, I used to carry my poetry book like, that I used to do all my writing in. And so he heard one of my poems. He was like, bro, like, you good. Like, but your shit, it don't sound like a poem. It got rhythm to it. You ever thought about songwriting? And so that's what kind of sparked that. And then... One day he was helping this guy named Diesel. So, you know, a lot of people, Diesel from New Orleans, uh, he did Lollipop for Lil Wayne, Mrs. Officer for Lil Wayne, Let the Beat Built for Lil Wayne. Uh, so that was one of his clients. And so he told him about me. And then uh, Diesel invited me to his studio. And then from there, he heard my poems. He was like, yo, they sound like songs. He was like, yo, let me just teach you how to write melody. And from that day on, I never wrote another poem. Everything I did from there was songs. So, like, you know, I've been, you know, researching about being songwriter. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a Happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. I did things like this, and I hear like all the backstories, the art stories. Like I want to, I want to jump into straight to this. Like, how does one songwriter get paid? For like people who don't know, because like, because everybody won't be a music artist, but like people don't know about you know, but the background of an artist putting their music out. Like you know, they got the songwriters are like actually, I'm like one of the most, I'm like important things of the industry. Mm -hmm. Like far as R and B, right. mainly, right. So I mean, with songwriters, you 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 get paid off your royalty. You know what I'm saying? So you got to make sure when you you register your songs and you and you uh, make it so you get your percentage right on your songs. Whether you're collabing with somebody or whether it's just like you writing a song by yourself, you got to make sure you register. You know, whether that's with ASCAP, BMIs, uh, and etc. So you just put your stuff into that, and then that's how you uh, that's how you get paid. You get paid off your royalties and stuff like that. Then when you wind up getting big records, like when you start being consistent and you start charting on charts, then you can, as a songwriter, you can start requesting fees from major labels and stuff like that, just to show up and write and still get your royalties and stuff like that. So that's pretty much how it goes to get paid by a songwriter. Then you got syncs, there's all kinds of different things. The guy, where a song may get sync in a movie, you get a sync fee, a licensing fee for them to license the song. So uh, yeah, it's, it's multiple ways. Every time you, even when you're in the, when you're in the elevator, you hear a song that you wrote coming on the elevator, you get, you get paid.
BMI or ASCAP, they're collecting that for you. <laughs> Got it. So, like, being a songwriter, you know, if I, if I could watch, her name is, I mean, Money Long interview, and yeah. she was like, you know, being a writer was kind of hard because she was like, if you go to these studios with these bigger artists and they, like, feel, I'm, like, intimidated by you, yeah. like, you know, if you probably sing the song better than them, or yeah. you probably dress better than them, they don't like that. So, it's like, yeah. I want to hear, I'm like, what battles, I'm like, that you had to go through in the industry? Well, for me, man, I always read the room. I always read the room in whatever room I walk in because you don't want to go in there so cocky. You don't want to go over there, go in that room doing too much. Your, your job is to assist. So as a songwriter, your job is to assist the artist with their vision. So I always read the room, play my role. I never really had any hiccups with any artists uh, because I, I can say I do a good job at reading the room. So I play my position, I play my part in, into where I need to be for that moment to make the whole thing make sense. So, uh, but they, they, they have times where, you know, you know, you may be in a, uh, in a session with another writer and this writer is doing too much and the artist is just making the artist uncomfortable. Or they may have some sessions where the artist is, is just having a bad day and <laughs> you catch them on a bad day. So, I mean, you gotta, we gotta realize that, you know, artists, we all are human. So we all have, we all go through different things. So you can catch somebody on a good day, you can catch somebody just, they must have, you know, on a bad day. So it's just, that's just how it is sometimes. But I would say mostly you have to read the room. Gotcha. So how did you come up? Um, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, but it's your I'm like songwriting name. But I'm going to just ask, how did you come up with I'm like V-Script? So um, they used to always call me, uh, like, the songs I used to write stuff was very descript descriptive. So, uh, descriptive, I'm sorry. So, uh my uh one of my, my best friends earl he's always like yo this shit feel like movie scripts and so that's when i that's how i started taking the v and then i put it to script and then after that it just stuck with me everybody started calling me script and everybody felt like you know the songs was like stories and they could see a detail detail like the whole days to follow through the stories i write so just like one of the the biggest songs i wrote locally in new orleans was nobody for my cousin rance davis and that was actually a feeling, you know what I'm saying? That was a real song that, you know, something that I went through that I put it on paper and pulled it out, you know? So, and, I, and till to the day, that's his biggest song. Right. And like, as I think about like, like you have to be like in a different space to be a songwriter, like, yeah. because you gotta go through those things. I used to be like, yeah. how does, I'm like, Neo write these great yeah. songs for like women and men? It's like, yeah. so you have to like, at least pay attention to a lot of different things. Yeah, you gotta pay attention to a lot of things. You gotta put yourself you know, because a lot of stuff, it might not be something personally that you went through. It may be something that you saw somebody else went through. And then you just kind of, you just have to emerge yourself into your emotions and, and put yourself in that position and just think it, of it, think of it from that perspective. So that's, that's, that's kind of what it is. So, you know what I'm saying? Looking at it from different angles, you know? Gotcha. So what's the average day like on like, for one, on like songwriter? For me, man, sessions on sessions, uh, you know, um, for me building my artists, building my artist Quintelli that I'm working with, uh, my other artist Damani, uh, my other artists that I work with Risa. So like when I'm not, when I'm not working on placements, I'm building them, helping build them, helping cater to their career and their journey and their path. Uh, so that's kind of like my day-to-day -day basis. Like, you know, I may get a call to, yo, Chris Brown looking, or I may get a call, yo, you know, um, such and such looking. And so attack, making sure I balance everything. 
balance getting placements and balance you know with the artists that I work with that I that my passion projects you know so like as one songwriter all right what would you say all right what's your biggest song on the out there so far I would say right now it's Chris Brown cab that's my biggest song to today okay yeah and like you know, just speaking on Chris Brown, like, you know, I love, like, Chris Brown, my favorite R&B artist of all time. Yeah. Like, people with it, like, I really think he better, like, in my opinion, I think he better than Michael Jackson. Just like 50 Cent said, I never saw Michael Jackson sing into a backflip and land on one leg and, and, and still dance. Like, yeah. he's just different, like, yeah. he's athletic, he just, he does it all. And, like, he yeah. don't get the credit because, you know, prior things he did. Yeah. Like, do you, like, I won't hear out of your words, do you think Chris Brown is the closest thing actually to Michael Jackson? Yes. Okay. Hands up. He's the closest. It's just the only difference that he doesn't have that Michael had. Michael had the best of the best. Okay. The team. The team around him. Michael had the triangle offense. So I feel like Chris, as far as ability, ability and gift, yes. But I think if he had Mike's, if he had a Phil Jackson around him. But the Chris boy is he still have time. That's how young he was. Yeah, he he still, this. yeah, he still got time. You know, like he already accomplished so much, but yeah. he still accomplished more. And then you got to think about it too. Michael came in an era where classic albums matter, right? Body of work matter. Chris is Chris Prime is in the singles game. You know, the game is that's why you can't. Really, I, I really, I really truly believe you can't compare the eras because Chris is now heavily in the streaming era. Right. So it's different. So you know, bodies of work are not are not looked at like how we looked at bodies of work back then. Right. And then we don't have the time to process. A body of work because everything is like fast paced now. For as when Michael was in, it just was like you had to take your time, you had to make sure the album was flawless from top to bottom because that's how you got your reps. So it's just a, it's they, they, they're yeah, on the same time. level, it's just different errors, right? And like I just saw on the Akon speaker, and he's like, Man, Chris Brown just don't have that right team behind him yet, yeah, not yet. Like if he get that team, I think, yeah, it's a whole nother level, it's like, a whole nother level. Like, he gets you. with a musician, he gets with someone, he gets with a Barry Gordy, he's gone. I'm gonna speak on R&B, like even you moving from New Orleans to Atlanta, like because you know, about interviewed your cousin Rance, and he was like, you know, he made it to like you know, like certain levels in New Orleans, he still couldn't just, he still felt like he wasn't there, like people yeah. didn't pay him and different things. So how do you feel like, like because you know, like New Orleans has breeded like probably like some top R&B artists. From Frank Ocean to Lucky D to yeah. to Wolf James, like, but all of them didn't get success in New Orleans. Yeah, see, so, Rance, Rance to me is the first. Right, Rance was on the radio and get success. Yeah, he's the he's the first. I think it's so crazy. So even around that time with Rance, right, when his record was played on the radio, that like people like you, people like. The, the tastemakers in the city, like that's in, right. the, that's in the industry, in the music industry. They know it was him, but just your average person waking up, when they hit, heard his songs on the radio, it felt like it was so big that it, they didn't believe it was from here. Right. So some people would walk that I would, you know, I remember I used to be out in the streets and people used to, I used to, you know, run into certain people and I'd be like, yo, my cousin on the radio, blah, blah, blah. And they used to hit us. What song your cousin said? Yo, I thought that was Chris Brown. I thought that was Trey Songz. That was Bobby Valentino. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> and they're saying that because it sounds, it's big. Uh, I think the issue is, like, with New Orleans, it's so cultural that you have to have a bounce beat behind it to, to, right. to, to claim it as, yo, this from the city. Because we're so cultural. When you think about places like Atlanta, 
you know, New York, there's their their sound is um it's it's more it's universal versus you know being home you know mostly bounce music is it stays local right so I think that's the issue um, that was what was so hard for us because we had to fight through that to 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 uh, so he won't get viewed as a bounce artist he would, he would be viewed as an R and B artist so but the problem was is we didn't do a bounce song we probably didn't catch it majority and it was around the time that they was forcing R and B artists to do bounce songs I remember Courtney Hart yeah. like. Yeah. It was kind of like I did that bounce song. Like, what yeah. else can you do? Yeah, because I remember we had a record. We had a record that we was about to come out called "Sexy Girl" with Fifth Wall Weeby. Okay. And at the time, the program director was DC, and he heard the record, and he was like, "So, honestly, bro, nobody almost happened the song. Nobody. Sexy Girl was about to come first. And, and so right. when he heard, when DC heard, nobody he was like, "No, y'all can't drop Sexy Girl. We're gonna drop nobody because this is gonna take him national." And that's what happened. Yeah. And that's history. And also, I just told him, like, man, you was actually on the head of your time. Yeah. Like, if social media was like yeah. what it is now, you probably would have had a... Yeah. yeah you, probably, you probably would have had a real industry run. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, New Orleans and the food cities you hit. Yeah. I mean, he would have had, had a different run if he, if he grew up if he grew up in Atlanta. Right. Making that kind of, making that music. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? The opportunity would have been much more because Atlanta is an industry city. And labels are there. And ours did. That's another thing too. We don't have. So like, that's what what I plan on doing too. Coming back home, and uh, once you know, I get where I want to really, really want to be in. Yeah, because I was actually cool. like, do you think there will ever be a time where where one actually R and B artists can actually grow in New Orleans? Yeah, we just need outlets. We just need outlets. You got to think about like Atlanta. Like DTP stayed in Atlanta. Uh, Grand Hustle stayed in Atlanta right. doing their run. They didn't leave. Yeah, I told you about like I said, I think yeah. by no limit moving around and cash money moving to Miami. Yeah. Like every kind of every kind of like hurting New Orleans as well. Yeah. Cause if you just imagine if if just cash money ran, like that big empire in New Orleans, like but, a lot of people that some drink from New Orleans. Yeah. Like, but also too, another thing too, man, it's dangerous. Very. It was dangerous for those guys to stay too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you see, you know, so you got to take, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You know what I'm saying? You see those guys riding the cars here in Atlanta. That's normal. In New Orleans, when you see guys coming in there, it's not normal. Because yeah. it's a, if you're a man at Target. It's not a big city. So that's that's another thing, too. So those, like, I understand both sides. I understand both sides. I understand from their perspective. And I understand looking from the outside. And, you know. Gotcha. So being, being in the music industry over 15, 20 years now, like, tell us what you enjoy most about it. Tell us what you actually, I'm like, actually, I'm like, hate about it. I'm like, dislike about it. Tell us what you think. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, what I love about it is, what I love about it is, you know, the process, the, the making music is always what I love about it. What I, what I sometimes dislike is the politics. You have to move a certain way or do certain things within the politics, which takes from the music sometimes. So that's but also too that's why it's called the music business, the music industry, because it's an industry, it's a business. So uh, it's no different from the corporate world. Sometimes my uncle used to always tell me, "Yo, the best job doesn't go to who's the best. The best job goes to who's available." So you gotta network, you gotta build relationships, and and do these things because uh, talent is not enough. Talent is not enough. You still have to have talent, but once those relationships get you in certain rooms which in, which uh, highlight your talent. 
So it's always to me, it's relationship first, talent second. So, what separates you from all the like songwriters out there? Like they, they, they like just out there right now. I would say for me, man, I look at music different. I look at music based off of the, uh, you know, I dissect it, man. Like, not even just writing. Uh, from, from the writing side of it, just understanding, looking at it from a consumer perspective. I always write songs from a consumer perspective because as long as you pay attention to culture and you pay attention to these things, like what's going on in culture, tapping into culture, the different lingos, I make sure I pay attention to all that stuff so I can stay relevant in it and still be, be able to produce hit songs, still be able to walk in the room with this person 10 years younger than me, but still can relate to that person and understand what they're saying. So um, that's what I would say for me. Like I always pay attention to staying relevant. Uh, and my mentor Rodney Jerkins has always like, that's one of the things that he always uh, pushed to me. Like, yo, keep youth around you, stay tapped in and always pay attention to what's going on. Never get so big in the industry that you feel like you're bigger than the industry because there's always a room that you're gonna walk in and you're gonna learn something. So um, I take that to heart. So that's why I would say that's where most of my success come from because I'm able to adapt to that. So how did you meet I'm like Rodney Jerkins and how did he become your, you know, if I, how did he become your, I'm like mentor? Um, so me and Rodney, man, uh, I had did this record and it was, uh, it was moving around the uh, industry and um, I had flew to LA. I was about to, I flew to LA for this meeting um, with this other label in it. So when I walked out the meeting, one of my homeboys called me and he was, uh, he was with, uh, he was, he was, he called me. I ain't, I ain't seen, I ain't seen this guy in years. See? So he called me and he was like, yo, bro, I'm about, I'm about uh, Rodney. Once you come through, he said, I want to introduce y'all. And then boom, uh, went met my homeboy by Rodney House. And then we, me and Rodney met, we clicked. And then from there, on oh, it's just been history the relationship the mentorship uh everything and i think when he you know when he met me man he saw more in me just as a writer you know what I'm saying more than just a writer like he saw me you know he saw the way i was moving how i was you know bringing pieces together still writing songs uh making sure that my team is in position to eat and all that stuff so he admired that and so he just took me under his wing and like just taught me everything you know about the game you know and because of him, you know, bro, like, that brother is like, you know, he the reason why, why I'm at and the way I see things, the way I see, you know. Uh, he is the, I 100% I, I appreciate that mentorship, that relationship meant a lot to my career. All right, gotcha. So, tell us, I'm like, what's next for you? Do you plan on, I'm like, starting your own, like, I'm like, starting your own, I'm like, record label, but your own like writing group, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that's what's already going on. Uh, Super Friends, SFM Music. So um, already doing that uh, with the songwriters, producers, artists, developing artists, uh, taking artists to the next level and stuff like that. So that's what I enjoy. Honestly, man, I enjoy that more than getting placements. Like my, my heart is like developing artists and seeing something from the beginning to the end, get, get to where it needs to be. Um, and also too, man, I'm, uh, I'm working on my project. So, uh, the V script experience. So, uh, putting that together right now, man. So I'm about to transition into that too. All right. Gotcha. And also, uh, but last but not least, tell everyone, I'm like, what can they find on social media and just everywhere? 
You can find me on uh, Instagram at vscript, TikTok at vscript, uh, what Facebook, v Verdell vscript Muller. So that's all. That's all the places you can find me at. Believe that. All right, we done. Yes, sir.